You know, I was uh, thinking about baptism this week a lot, and I was thinking about just what we're doing tonight, and thinking about you guys' faces and uh, your stories, and I think, like, this is exactly, like, to see God work in people's lives in tangible ways is, like, exactly what following Jesus is all about. It's exactly what being a part of a church is all about. It's exactly what being a Christian is all about. You know, sometimes church gets a bad rap, you know. It's just about attending services, and I'm supposed to read my Bible, and I'm supposed to be a good person, a moral person. Like, we get to see lives changed in powerful ways by the God of the universe who reaches out to us, who loves us and reaches out to us in our imperfection, in our rebellion, in our sinfulness and change us from the inside out. It's absolutely amazing. Like, this is exactly why we've planted this campus, right? Barberton's not unique in that there's greater need here than anywhere else. There's need everywhere, right? Everywhere. And uh, we get a chance to see people that are coming, being changed by God. It's power. It's beautiful. So thank you guys for the courage to be able to do this today. Um, I want to take a few minutes and just kind of explain what baptism is. You know, as we launch this campus, there's uh, there's just kind of some firsts that we have to take advantage of. And so this is our first baptism service. And I thought, you know, it's probably good for us to just all get on the same page as to what baptism is and what baptism isn't. Because lots of churches do baptisms in different ways, right? And they even have some different beliefs about baptism. And so I thought, this is a good opportunity for us to just kind of take 15 minutes and all get on the same page with this. So I think that I can do do it by answering four questions. Four questions for us, okay? First question, what is baptism? We'll talk about that, okay? What, like, what is it? What do we, what do we, what is this all about? Second question, how do we, I'm sorry, why do we do it? Why, why are we even doing this here tonight? Third question, what does it mean? What does it sim- symbolize? Like, what actually happens during baptism? We'll talk about that. Last question is, how do we do it? Like, practically, what does this look like for us? I think if we wrestle with those four questions, we can all get on the same page as to what baptism actually actually is. So first question, what is baptism? Well, baptism, all baptism is, in the Greek, the, the word baptize is baptizo. And all baptizo means is to immerse, or to dip, or to submerge, or to like clean with water. It's actually a very common word back then when they were writing the Bible. Writing the Bible, it wasn't, it's not like a, a church word, it's not just a Christian word, it's a very common word. In fact, um, a Greek philosopher about 200 AD was talking about a pickle recipe, and he said, you got to baptize the pickles. You actually got to baptize the vegetables in vinegar to make good pickles, right? Like it's a very common word back then, not a Christian word. All it means is to immerse, right? To submerge. That's what, what baptize actually means, baptizo. And so tonight we're not going to baptize pickles, okay? We're going to baptize people. That's why you came, right? We're going to baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what is baptism? Well, it's just to immerse. That's all, that's all we're doing tonight. Second question, why do we do it? Well, this is actually a really easy question. A really easy answer, I should say. Why do we do it? Well, we do it because Jesus told us to do it. And later, his apostles told us to do it. You know, one of the last things that Jesus tells us at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, 
Matthew. So after Jesus has died on the cross, he's been buried, he's risen from the grave, and right before he ascends up into heaven, he, he says this at the very end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 19. He says, he's talking to his disciples, he says, all right guys, go and make disciples, disciples of mine, of all nations, baptizing them, baptizo, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, here's what you need to do, do guys. The early church, right? The very beginning of the church, the first apostles. Here's what you guys need to do. Make disciples. Tell people about who I am. And as they come to follow me, baptize them. Okay? A little bit later, just not even much later, in Acts chapter 2, this is Pentecost was right after, not too long after, Jesus ascended into heaven. And Peter, one of the apostles, at the very first Pentecost, he gives his first sermon, okay? First sermon telling people about the risen Jesus. 3,000 people make the decision they want to be disciples. They want to be followers of Jesus. Peter's kind of laid it on the line. This is what he says, Acts 2, 36 to 38. He says, therefore, so he's talking to people, he says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what should we do? Right? They get it. Get the Holy Spirit has worked inside of them. Here's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Their hearts were cut. They made decisions they wanted to follow Jesus. What do we do? Peter says, repent. You know what repent means? Repent's a really important word in Christianity. Again, this isn't just like a Christian word, but it's a really important word in Christianity. All repent means is to turn from whatever you were following and follow something else. That, that's all it means. And so Peter's telling him, he's saying, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to turn from whatever or whoever you are following and follow Jesus and be baptized, right? That's, that's what he's saying to them. So why do we do it? Well, we do it because Jesus told us to do it and his disciples told us to do it. Why else do we do it? Well, we do it to be obedient and to show that we are all in, that I am all in. You know, one of the things that I've said over the last few weeks is that if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you've made that commitment to him, in your life, then you should be baptized. Like, you should. It's, it's just an obedience issue. The God who's saving you, the God who has changed you, says be baptized. And so we should be baptized. There's an obedience part to this. What, what, is obe- what does it mean to obey? Well, to obey just means to do what I'm told to do, right? Like when I obey somebody, somebody tells me what to do, and I do exactly what they say to do. That's what obedience is, right? Obedience is. Well, why? Why do I obey? This is really important. Why do I obey a command that God gave me? I do it because I love him. Right? I don't do it because I'm trying to earn something from him. I don't do it because I'm trying to impress him or keep something. I do it because I love him. This God that I love said I should do something. And so I want to obey him because I love him. And, and, that, and you know what that does? It shows people you're all in. You know, One of the things I was talking to Trevor just yesterday about this. One of the things we talked about is that God wants every part of us. Not just a little bit. Not just the parts that are convenient for us. right? But he wants every last part of us. He wants us to be all in. And baptism is one way that we show that we are all in. We are obedient to God. So that's the second question. Why do we do it? Third question, what does it mean? Like, what does baptism symbolize and what happens during baptism? Like, does something strange happen during baptism? Well, what happens? Uh, Nothing magical. Nothing magical. This is water that we just filled up from the tap. 
long hose. It's pretty warm. It was warm. I didn't do any blessing of the water or anything like that. None of these people sitting up here tonight are being saved tonight. That's a, that's a Christian word that a lot of times we use, right? None of them are being saved tonight. Uh, what's happening is, it, 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 the Bible is actually very clear. If you read in Ephesians 2, this is what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says. The Bible is very clear that it's by grit. The way that we're saved, the way that we receive salvation is by God's grace and us trusting him, right? This is what it says in Ephesians 2. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. We're saved by God's grace alone through faith. So no one tonight is getting saved, right? You guys have already made that decision. Here's what it is. Here's what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward transformation that has happened and is happening This is what we're going to do tonight. It's an outward expression of an inward transformation that has already happened at some level and is continuing to happen. And so we only baptize people. This is important for you to know. We only baptize people who have made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. That's important. And so at Grace Church, we don't baptize infants. We don't baptize babies. Because babies can't make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. And when you read about baptism, all the people in the Bible that got baptized. The, the order was always they made a decision to believe and then they were baptized, right? And so that's what we focus on tonight. That's what baptism symbolizes. This decision, this inward decision that we make, we're symbolizing it through this outward sort of way. Does that make sense? So that's the first thing. The second thing, it's also a symbol of death to life. And here's what I mean. So when we're taken down, we do it this way, when we're taken down into the water, it's like we're the old me is dying, right? It's like, I am no longer. So just like Jesus was taken down into the grave, right? Jesus died, and Jesus was raised to new life. When we baptize, it's the same sort of thing. It's what it symbolizes. Our death, the death of the old self, the death of the old me. And then when I, when I pull him back out of the water, it's like being raised to new life. I promise I'll pull you back out of the water. I promise. When you pull it back out of the water, it's like being raised to new life, right? So there's this death to life symbolism with baptism. So it's this... this this external, this outward expression of this inward transformation. There's this death to life. And then there's also this being washed clean symbolism with baptism. So it's water, right? And so here's the symbol. So we're taken down into the water and we're taken down dirty, covered in our sin, covered in our shame, covered in our guilt. We're taken under the water and then we're pulled up, washed clean, right? No longer do I have my sin. No longer do I have my shame. No longer do I have my guilt. It's all being washed away, right? That's the symbolism of baptism. And and I would say this too. There's also this, this very public identification that we have with baptism with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Like when, when, when they're standing up here being baptized, you should hear them saying, I am a follower of Jesus. And I am not ashamed to admit that in front of anybody. I want the world to know that I am following Jesus. There's this this public identification with Christ that you seven are going to do here in just a little bit. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like a press conference. So you know how like an athlete, say you got a star athlete, he changes teams. You know what happens? Like sometimes, so they negotiate negotiate out a deal or whatever. Sometime during the week they go into the office of the GM or the owner or whatever and they sign 
sign on the dotted line, right? No one signed on the dotted line here tonight, but they sign on the dotted line, right? And from that point on, they are a member of that team. It's official. Then what do they do? They have a press conference, and they invite the media, and it's a celebration. They put the hat of the new team on them, right? Because they want everybody to know that they got a new team. That's what baptism is. Each of them have already signed on the dotted line, so to speak. It's official for each of them. They have made decisions that they want to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. This is their press conference. They're saying, I want everybody to know I'm on Jesus' team now. You know what else it's like? It's kind of like a wedding ring. You know, when a couple gets married, when husband and wife get married, most of the time, I think at every wedding that I've ever done, most of the time, they exchange rings. But you know what happens? The rings don't make them married, right? Wearing a ring doesn't make me married to my wife. That's not what it does. They're a symbol of an internal commitment. Right? That's what rings are. They're a reminder of a covenant, of an internal commitment that you make to your partner. And you know what else it tells people? I'm taken. I'm taken, ladies. I'm unavailable, right? It's the same sort of thing with baptism, right? You're letting people know that you're taken. You're on Jesus' team now. You are, you are part of him. He's, he's like your spouse in a way. So that's the third question. Fourth question. Last one. How do we do it? Well, we've already talked about immersion. Immersion is, is an important part of baptize, baptizo. It means immersion. And so we completely submerge folks underwater because that's how the early church did it and that's what the word means. So that's, that's part of it. How do we do it? We, we dunk them. We dip them. We totally dip them. Okay? That's the first part. Second part is we do it three times. We do it in the name of the Father. So we get people really, really wet. I told them that. You're going to get really wet tonight. Hopefully the, the second row doesn't get too wet. But you guys are definitely going to get wet. But we dunk them three times in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? Well, it goes back to church history. If somebody's a history buff, this is, will be interesting to you. If you're not, you can just zone out for the next 30 seconds. But back in the Byzantine period of church history, which is like the 330s to 1450s, there was this heresy that came up within Christianity where people weren't believing in the Trinity. So God existing as Father, Son, one. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Instead, people were baptizing Christians just in the name of Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, okay? And so the reaction of the church, the church reacts, and the reaction of the church is to instead immerse people three times, in the name, once in the name of the Father, once in the name of the Son, once in the name of the Holy Spirit, right? This was the dominant way, it's historical fact, this is the dominant way in which the early church baptized people. And so symbolizing their agreement with the Trinity, right? So I, I agree that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so we follow suit with that along with the early church. And we would be very quick to say, this isn't the only way to do it. Like, this isn't a deal breaker for us. Everybody that baptizes just one time, you guys are all wrong. We would never say that, okay? But this is the way. One of the things that's very important to us at Grace Church and, and as part of the fellowship of Grace Brethren Churches is to do things as close as we can to this, to what the Bible says. Okay, and what the and what the church practiced, and so that's why we do three dunks. We get you really wet in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Third thing that we do: so we immerse you, we get you really wet, and then we also do 
it forward. We baptize forward instead of backwards. So a lot of churches, a lot of times when people baptize them, you baptize this way. You baptize backwards. Why do we do it forward? Well, we do it forward because in Romans 6, again, we try to be as biblical as we possibly can, as we understand it. In Romans 6, it talks about being baptized into the likeness of Christ's death. Being baptized into the likeness of Christ's death. So I'm being baptized in the way that Jesus died. Okay? How did Jesus die? Well, John 19.30 talks about Jesus died different than other people. Most people, when they die, it's like you go back into the... You're, you're put in a casket and you're buried on your back. Right? That's how most people. Jesus died differently because Jesus was attached to a cross. Right? So in John 19.30, it says... Where is it? John 19.30 says he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Jesus died forward. And so, trying to be as biblical as we possibly can, that's how we baptize forward. Again, we wouldn't say, this is a huge deal. If you don't do it this way, then we don't like you. We don't say that at all. But this is the way in which we do our baptisms. Does that make sense? So, here's the big deal. Here's the big deal. Each of these seven people have made decisions to follow Jesus. They've gone from darkness to light at some point in their life. And uh, it's absolutely incredible. And it's just the beginning, right? Like where you guys are at is just the beginning. And you have the rest of your life to live that way. And here's the cool thing. You have a family that loves you and is committed to you. You know who I'm talking about, guys? You guys, right? They walked in here with their own families. Now they have an even bigger family because they have people like us who love them and care for them and are committed to them. And their lives are changed forever. I was reading in um, uh, Luke chapter 15 this week. I was reading about the prodigal son again. If you haven't read about that in a while, maybe you've never read that story. Luke chapter 15. It's an incredible story. It's about a boy who goes off. He, he asks for his dad's and his dad hasn't died. He asks for his dad's inheritance. He gives it to him. He goes off. He just blows it, right? And then he comes back, and it says the father's just waiting there with open arms for his son. And he takes him in, and he celebrates. And the other son's kind of upset about it. And then this is what the father says. This is reminding me of tonight. He said, but we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And guys, that's what we celebrate here tonight. We celebrate people who are dead. No offense, but it's true. And I was too. And you're alive again. And you were lost. And it's interesting. I heard a couple, more than one of you, describe yourselves that way. Like, I, I was lost. That's how I felt. And now you're found. And so, here's what I want to do. So that's baptism. Hopefully that made sense to you guys. Here's what I want to do. I want you to hear from them. And so, I'm going to invite the, the people that are getting baptized in the first service tonight, right now, this service, to come on up here. So that's you two. This is Josh. This is Kaylee. They are newlyweds. You know how long they've been married? Seven days. Eight days. Eight days, right? Come on up, and Trevor and Keely as well. You guys come up too. They're not married. <laughs> uh, and I, I want you guys, so I got a mic here for you. Yeah, use that one. Let me turn it on here. So I want you guys to just share a little bit 
about your stories. We don't have a huge stage here, so we got to kind of play this a little bit by ear. I'm going to hold it for you because if you let the mic go, they talk forever. <laughs> no offense, but I don't want to do that. This is true. <laughs> so, so let me let me just kind of set the stage here a little bit with you guys. So this is this is so cool. So Josh, you you can share a little bit about this too. But Josh grew up in the church, right? You were baptized before, and kind of have had a time where you really went away from God, right? You weren't following God too closely, and you guys have been together. How long you guys been together? Five years. Five years. Five years together. And I remember when I first met Kaylee. I'm going to mess this up at least once tonight because we got a Kaylee and we got a Keely. Kaylee, Keely, Kaylee, Keely. So I remember when I first met Kaylee that uh, I guess I don't need this mic. <laughs> that you were not interested at all. Like I was, I was actually struck by how disinterested she was in church. You know, sometimes you guys should be aware of this. When you're preaching, I see all of your faces, and I see all of your facial expressions. And I remember looking at her facial expression, thinking she could not be more bored and disinterested as I'm talking. <laughs> I remember thinking that. And then we didn't see you guys for a while, and then something happened. And so I want you to. I, Josh is going to talk a little bit for you guys, right? So I want you to share a little bit about what happened. Well, like like he said, I was I was you know with the church, and then I kind of fell away from that for a while, and I got caught up in the way the world works, you know. So I was uh, kind of more relying on on the way the world gives us to deal with our problems. I was I was involved in drugs, and uh, I would drink alcohol and stuff like that, and. Um, I met Kaylee at, at uh, school, and she wasn't like that at all, uh, but she wasn't like me in a sense where she didn't grow up in a Christian home and that kind of thing, so we were together, and I, I noticed her kind of being disgusted with the way that I was holding myself, and I thought, wow, you know, here's someone who wasn't raised the same way I was, but she has the ideals that I should have, hmm. and that kind of made me feel lousy about myself, so in, in a... In a, in a, after a while of you know just kind of realizing that I, I kind of hit a rock bottom with with everything and I didn't eat for a long time and, and we know that is fasting but mine wasn't really intentional it was just kind of unintentional was, I just felt lousy I didn't feel like eating depressed kind of and God reached out to me in a way that I had never experienced before I literally felt him touch me his is the best way that I could describe it because I shuddered from head to toe and felt renewed. And it was really an amazing experience. And from that moment on, I think the Barberton Church had only had maybe one service before that. And I was told about it through my workplace that, hey, here's this church that's you know starting up. And I was like, man, you know what? I feel like I need to go to that. And that first service that I came to, from, from the songs we sung to the message that Jeff gave, I knew that this was where I was supposed to be because it spoke to me on a level that I'd never felt before. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, Kaylee had, do you mind if I share just a little bit of, of your story? Sure. So after she was really disinterested and bored with my sermons and all of that, uh, we didn't see Kaylee for a while. And Josh had been coming some and then, you know, was a little bit sporadic. And uh, I, I remember talking to John Case, wherever he is, um, and their group actually had been praying for Kaylee. So cool. Just felt like God had placed it on their heart to pray that she would come to know Jesus. And so we hadn't heard anything from them for a while. And then probably a month ago, I would say a month ago, you guys showed up out of the blue and uh, she was different. And, like different. And they said, uh, hey, we want you to marry us. I said, oh, okay. In two weeks. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so we kind of 
talked through some of that stuff. And uh, during that time, she had had, so she was uninterested in God, but she had had an experience with God um, that we don't need to get into the specifics of it, but it was undeniable to her that God was real and that God loved her and wanted to have a relationship with her. Is that fair to say? And so from that point on, uh, she was different and she was changed and she made the decision to follow Jesus. And so pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing. So, so that's that's Josh and Kaylee, and I, and I want to say this too. Um, th- we only have so much time here, so I have to be sensitive to this. So, I, we, I, there's lots more to their story. I would encourage you guys afterwards come give them a hug, get to know them a little bit, and hear a little bit more of their story. Um, I want to introduce Trevor and Keely to you as well, and I'll tell I'll tell a little bit about your guys' story. That's what you prefer, right? Yeah. Okay. You didn't want to preach the sermon tonight. I asked him. You didn't want to. Uh, this is actually Trevor's first night. At the barber at Grace Church, period, right? Very first time. It's pretty cool. Uh, I met with Trevor yesterday and Katrina yesterday for the very first time, and uh, he had interest in God and uh, didn't grow up being part of church, had kind of a tough life growing up, and uh, I didn't really know what to expect when they came in my office yesterday, and uh, we just started talking about God, and I asked if he wanted me to just share the gospel to him, and so we used eight words, right? We, we did kind of a sermon on that. We used eight words, and we just kind of talked about the gospel, and I said, um, Maybe you need to go think about it. Like, don't make a quick decision because this is like an all-in thing, right? This is not something that you make a quick decision and then the next day you go, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm going back to my own life. This is this is a change for the rest of your life. And uh, Trevor said, no, no, I'm ready. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so just yesterday was the day that Trevor gave his life to the Lord. And so he is at the very beginning of his journey with God. And so uh, uh, we're going to pray in a little bit. Boy, I really encourage you guys to lift him up to the Lord. And, uh, and then this is Keely. And Keely is a 7th grader at the middle school here in Barberton. 7th grade, right? 12 years old. Going to be 13 soon. Going to be a teenager soon. You're going to be the best teenager in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love her hair. I tried to do that with my beard, but it didn't work. It just stays gray. Uh, so... Keely gave her life to the Lord about three years ago, is that right? When you were in fourth grade and had never gotten baptized and so was a little scared to get baptized before, scared of the water and stuff and uh, just felt like this was the time for her to do it. And so she and her mom, Erin, had been coming to the campus maybe a month-ish, something like that, maybe a little longer than that, and uh, has made the commitment and wants to stand up in front of everybody and say that she's a follower of Jesus. So pretty cool, huh? I'm going to send you guys down, and I'm going to have you guys come up. I don't know where Craig went. Oh, there you are. You're second row. Come on up. You guys step down for a minute. You guys come up. Narrow step. Sorry. And these three guys have three really different stories. It's very cool. Very cool. Very different stories. This is Brad Thomas. Brad has been coming to the bar. I think Tyler dragged you here at the very beginning, right? Like maybe maybe a week or two into it, something yeah, like that? Yeah, a couple weeks into it, yeah. And um, Brad has uh, uh, incredible stories. So you, you heard their stories. We have somebody who, let me just kind of set the stage here, somebody who grew up in a particular church but didn't have a relationship with God. It was kind 
kind of a stale thing to him, kind of a rote thing where he kind of goes through the motions, was a moral guy, right? Was a, was a pretty good guy. But then through the influence of a friend and kind of jumping in and serving and listening to uh, maybe a little bit different way to talk about the Bible and the faith, things change for you. And you had uh, quite an interesting health scare as well. Yeah. Well, uh, like Jeff said, I, I grew up in a Catholic church. I, uh, I attended services every week, and you know that's just about what I did. I didn't really have a life of faith. I didn't really follow Jesus. It was just something I did. And, um, you know, and I, I wanted something more, but I didn't really know what I should do, when I should do it, and so I just kept putting it off, and, and, then, and then I got sick. I, uh, I um, was born with a lung deformity. My right lung is only about half the size it should be. And I'm actually missing the artery that supplies that lung with blood. Um, well, I, I had no idea until I started coughing up all the blood in my body. Um, medically speaking, I should not have lived. But I, um, through that experience, like it was a wake-up call. It was like, okay, God saved me. Now, what should I do next? So, so you were like in the hospital in a coma. Right. Yeah, I was in a coma for about five days. I um, was life-flighted to the Cleveland Clinic. It was about a seven-hour procedure where they went in through my leg and they sealed off blood vessels that my body had made in order to give that lung blood. What, what it was doing was actually drowning that lung with blood and causing me to cough up pretty much three-fourths of the blood in my body. So, I, um, it... Uh, it showed me a lot, though, and like, like honestly, to this day, I would never take that away, because without it, I don't think I would have had that wake-up call, and without it, I would not be standing right here. I um, after I, you know, I started to get better, and I uh, started talking with my best friend Tyler Jensen. He uh, he really talked me through about just everything I like, any question I had, like anything I needed to know, and uh, he actually asked me to come to Grace to uh, you know start serving and just helping out and. I've been coming ever since, and, um, and to this day, I, I just know that it's the best decision I've ever made, and I am truly a follower of Jesus now. <laughs> Praise God. How about you guys switch spots, would you mind? So this is Mike, Mike Everhart. Hello. Uh, Mike has got a different story. So Mike is a guy who grew up in church and Christian family, has lived that way his entire life, ever since you could remember, right? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, was baptized as an infant Correct. and has never been baptized as a follower of Jesus and felt like he wanted to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I promise Jeff I wouldn't talk too long tonight. So. <laughs> Just wanted to tell a little bit about my story and my life for Christ. And, um, you know, as I hear these stories up here, you think about the enemy of our, of our souls, Satan, and how he's such a destroyer of life. And now we have Christ, the Son of the living God, who's a giver of life and, and gives new life to us. So it's so wonderful to see people committed to, to Christ who can give us hope and give us joy in our life. So... <clears throat> But uh, as Jeff said, uh, you know, 40 years ago, I, I really probably consciously, I think, made that commitment to give my life to Christ. Um, and I've enjoyed the life that I've had for the 40 years. I can't imagine a life without Christ, a life without hope, and without knowledge of what my purpose is in this world. And so here I am, you know, all through those 40 years, it's like... Uh, there's a part of that obedience that Jeff talked about I felt like I never had 
I did have an infant baptism, but I never felt like I ever made that public commitment to Christ. And I felt like, you know, this is the time I need to do it. I'm not sure how much longer the Lord's going to leave us in this world. And I want to do that before we, 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 uh, we're taken up with him. So just one word, verse I want to read before uh, I go on. It's in John chapter 6. And uh, verse 67, or verse 66. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with them. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, in whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it's just amazing that I'm going to be baptized here in a little bit in, in the name of that living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So just awesome. thankful for him. You guys switch, please. And last but not least, we got Craig. And uh, Craig has come off, I think you were here maybe at launch or close to it on Easter, not too long after that, right? And kind of been off and on and has had tough life for sure growing up uh, and then tough a little bit more recently, but in the last few months has made some really, really good decisions and how God is blessing you guys and taking care of you in incredible ways. Maybe just take, we don't have too much time, but maybe you could just take a couple minutes to tell us about that. Um, I grew up here in Barberton. Um, it's a rough town. It can be good and good and bad, a little bit of both. But, uh, you know, I, I came to the point in the time in my life where, you know, like the Lord gave me a gift. You know, he gave me more than I could even handle. I mean, uh, I just it's hard to put it into words. You know, I mean, just how much he's truly given me. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in a broken home. Um, I grew up in a rough environment. And uh, regardless of all that, you know, it was, it was God's will, you know, to, to teach us and to, to make us grow and to take that and go through life. Yeah. And uh, I'm truly grateful. I mean, the blessings in, in the past couple months, I mean, he's, he's, he's put me in a position at my work where, you know, I could not get on my own. And he blessed me with, uh, you know, a wonderful position. Um, you know, he, he blessed us with a home, you know, to own a home. You know, I've bounced around probably 50 different schools in my life. And to have a stable home for your children and, and, and for yourself is an amazing thing. Yeah. And it was truly a gift from God. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's cool how God takes care of us when we give him the lead in our lives. Like when we trust him with that, we, we give him the reins and how he provides for all of our needs. And that's exactly what you're experiencing. It's really cool.